Welcome to Sync Second Sports. I am John Schofield. Joining me as always is Ward Carroll, our co-host and class of 82. And joining us again is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette. We are very, very happy to bring you a breakdown of what all of us kind of thought was a miraculous uh, showing on Saturday in New Orleans. The uh, Naval Academy football team basically looked as bad as you could look for uh, a little more than a half and then really turned it around uh, and snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat, a 27 to 24 victory over Tulane, a victory that Scott Strassmeyer, the Navy SID called uh, the greatest comeback he had seen and the greatest game that he had witnessed, even surpassing the 46 to 44 Notre Dame game from many years ago, uh, something that we took issue with on Twitter. And then he quickly smacked us down, but that's fine. So let's get to Bill Wagner first. And um, Bill, from your perspective, number one, what was it like not being there? Um, you know, it was that weird. When was the last time you did not attend a Navy game home or away? And then what was it like to watch the midshipmen come back from that deficit and win that game? Well, to answer your first question, John, it was very disappointing not to be there. I mean, I'm a journalist. The way I cover events is in person. Um, if I'd been there, I would have been the first to have tweeted out that Xavier Arline was starting a quarterback. Instead, I had to retweet a Scott Strassmeyer tweet because I wasn't there watching pregame warmups like I normally would have. I've only missed two Navy home games in the 24, five years, whatever it's been that I've been covering the team. I think my first year was 2001, which was Charlie Weatherby's final season. That was my first year as the beat writer for Navy football, I took over for Joe Gross, who handled it for 25 years or 30 years, whatever it was. But uh, the only games I've ever missed prior to this were Hawaii games. And I agreed with that decision because the games ended well past our deadline. In those days, the print edition was still very, very important. And to go all the way to Hawaii and not even be able to get the story into the print edition did not make sense. Not to mention the fact that that's a massive airline flight. And I can tell you this, the day that I fly to Hawaii, I'll be staying for a month, not uh, in and out for a football game. Nice. So uh, I, I did have a problem with missing the two Hawaii games for those reasons. But yeah, this was disappointing. Uh, hopefully I won't be missing too many other road games this year. Um, I, I'm going to just address real quick, and I know Strauss was excited, and I think everybody was in the moment of the of the victory and also I think what made them say this was such a great win was because of where the season was heading it was looking like another BYU game all over again and all of a sudden it turned around miraculously and I think that's part of why people are saying the greatest win coach Niamatololo said that he said I've been part of a lot of great wins I don't know if there's any better than this or bigger than this uh, I, I would have to take issue with that you know Ending the streak, the amazing historic streak against Notre Dame at Notre Dame in a wild triple overtime contest has to rank at the top of the list. 
the game in which Navy finally beat Air Force to the basically was the statement game saying under Paul Johnson's tenure as head coach, things were changing. The Air Force game, it was at FedEx Field. I remember it like it was yesterday. Kyle Echo running crazy, Bobby McLaren with the club. The uh, That game was also historic and monumental and program changing. And there's been some other great wins, but uh, in its own way, this game, was, this victory was very monumental just because it looked like this 2020 season was spiraling out of control. I'll let Ward weigh in. No, I think that's exactly right. Uh, so when you say great games, I'm also thinking of the Houston game where they were ranked number six, uh, you know, mid-storm the field at the end of that. I, it's hard to say. I think inarguably that Notre Dame game is the greatest game ever. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt that this was an amazing come-from-behind victory. At halftime this season, Navy had been outscored 79 points to three. Um, and, and so that's, we were all of that mind, like, oh, here we go. This is going to be one of those seasons. It has an asterisk on it, you know, coronavirus and, and so forth, all the uncertainty and naturally and Olsen, the transfer portal. And just like we had presaged in the pregame uh, edition of the podcast where, where, you know, I was very wrong in terms of uh, sort of suggesting that Anything we thought we were building on was was leveled when Olson entered the transfer portal and we we're back to max entropy. I was right in the first half, right? And then then suddenly, I don't know what happened at halftime. I, I think it, it, whatever that halftime speech was should be etched in marble um, because they came out a completely different team. Uh, and I think it starts with the sort of the confidence piece because uh, suddenly you could see their the the look in the in the their swagger, their body language, their posture. Uh, for me, the the absolute turning point was that safety. And then at that point, it was all navy. Well, I mean, it's all navy second half anyway. The the defense shut them down. Uh, you know, completely shut them out in the second half, and they scored twenty seven points, including a last second field goal, which is right up there with as dramatic as they've ever done. I mean, what a way to end the game in a driving rain. Um, it was high drama. So I, I think you're right, Wags, and that we, whatever this means, it, it definitely has buoyed the spirits of the team and fans worldwide. And it gives us hope that this might be a, a successful season. Uh, and I think, as you also tweeted, this is the beginning, and, and I don't think this is hyperbole, of the Dalen Morris years, dynasty, however you want to call it. He had so much, you could see the look in his eye. Um, they had that one uh, image of him after that successful pass to Cooper, who was amazing too. He was like an NFL sticky hands dude. Um, the, he looked like that look of complete resolve, you know, and swagger. And that's what you got to have. So um, happy days are here again, right? Um, and this episode has a tone that is completely different than I thought it would. At, at halftime. So uh, congratulations. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I was reminded with the driving rainstorm and the last second field goal of, you know, the, the fire drill at Navy Marine Corps stadium beating air force. Oh God. I, I think that was like maybe eight years ago, seven years ago. All I remember, Mike Keery might be able to recount it better in that. It, I mean, it was raining so hard 
um, you know, the, the, the number of inches of precipitation was only eclipsed by the number of Miller lights my Curie and I had in the parking lot. And then uh, the field goal right at the end to beat Air Force in that rainstorm at Navy Marine Corps Stadium was amazing. And then the other take I'll have is, I think you're exactly right, Ward, that the defense, you know, really signaled a turnaround because it really wasn't right at halftime. They came out at halftime and went three and out. And I remember tweeting it from the Sing Second account. I was like, oh man, not what they needed. Another three and out. And then I might be mixing up the timeline a little bit, but then all of a sudden Diego Fago had a sack and they were down 24 nothing. And Wags and I had the very same tweet. Wags from his personal account, me from Sing Second, where I was like, hey, I don't know about like the the picture pose celebration after you get a sack when you're down 24, but you know, hey, whatever works for you. And then sure as shit, they, they really started coming back. So, um, so hold, let I, me, let me get this yeah. straight. So when, when the sing second account compliments Scove kid for the right call, that's actually you complimenting yourself just to be clear. No, I think Chris was on there a little bit, but I've been known <laughs> I, to compliment myself in I'm the kidding. third person. <laughs> I, I'm just um, giving you grief. No, no, I, I, no one compliments myself better than myself. Allow myself to introduce myself. So, um, so yeah, I I think, I think that it was, I I thought it was an incredible, an incredible comeback, an improbable comeback. And, and Wags, I'd be interested in you kind of the building off of what Ward said about Dalen, which was, all right. This is what the physical mission is all about. You get punched in the face, kind of like you do in plebe boxing, um, and you and you suck it up, and you get torched fifty-five to three, and you get benched for a freshman who's probably better at lacrosse than he is at football, and you're down twenty-four nil, and then you come back and you win, and that is what the physical mission is all about, which is. You don't sit there. You don't hang your head. You don't get pissed. You, you know, you don't enter the transfer portal with all due respect to Perry Olson, but you come back out there and you work your ass off and you get a win. And, and I'm interested, um, you know, in asking Dalen when he a- appears on the, uh, um, the NAAA press conference today, and we'll bring you some of that audio in this finished pod to, to ask him what his mindset was, but Wags, you know, how did you feel Dalen did? And were you surprised by the fact that he, he turned his frown upside down from the BYU game? Well, it's a tremendous uh, testament to the kid. And I think we already knew that because he did it already by the fact that he earned the starting job to begin with. He had not played at all, not played a meaningful minute for three seasons. Last season, 2019, he was beat out for the backup job by a freshman. So, I mean, he's had a lot of hits, and he keeps coming back. And, uh, you know, I, on his post-game presser, Coach Niamat felt somewhat remorseful. You could see in his face. He said, you know, I, you know, I told Dalen we had to go in a different direction. And, you know, I'd asked him what, why, you know, what, he was disappointed in Dalen's performance that he didn't look more confident and sure of himself against BYU. And he asked him, you know, what, what happened? And he said, Coach, <laughs> it was my first career start. And uh, basically saying, give me another shot. I'll do better. But Coach Niamat decided that Xavier Arline gave him a better, better chance to win. I think they saw some Malcolm Perry in, in Xavier Arline and maybe thought that was a way to get things jump-started. But, you know, it's amazing how things unfold. I mean, Xavier Arline it just didn't do much. You know, I think 
the kid's really talented. He's got a, a very promising future, but he's not ready for prime time. He's, he's a freshman who, it said on the broadcast, he didn't start practicing with Navy until August 21st. And when the plebes did arrive with the Navy football team, they weren't allowed to practice in pads initially because of NCAA rules. You have to have three or four practices before you're even allowed to go in full pads. So the bottom line is he's barely practiced with the Navy football team, and he's asked to go out and lead the option attack. Now, just real quickly as an aside, um, that was not Navy's offense they ran with Xavier Arline. It might have had some elements of the Navy offense, but what it, they actually did was they ran the offense that Xavier Arline ran at Shoreham waiting high on Long Island when he was in high school. It's a kind of a double option arrangement. It's like uh, put him in shotgun and it's speed option where he has to, you know, he can either give to the fullback or sprint out and run or pitch. So it's not quite the Navy triple option to simplify things and make him more comfortable. They, they put in more elements of what he ran in high school, but the bottom line in four series under Xavier Arline, Navy offense went nowhere. Um, I think they had 23 total yards or something of that nature. Uh, Dalen came in and initially Dalen did not do anything, but I think being allowed to stay in the game to start the second half meant the world to him because he replaced Xavier Arline, did not do much on, I think he only had one series before the half ended, but the fact that the coaching staff said, in this going in the second, it's your half to, to do whatever you can. And, you know, I, I think basically it was told to Dalen, it's your job to seize right now. This is your moment and you needed to, to capitalize. And he did. Um, I thought what really gave him confidence was a couple throws on that one series. He threw a bullet over the middle to Cooper, Michael Cooper, great throw. He really stepped into the throw with confidence and then he threw that bomb to, to Mark Walker, in which Walker made an incredible diving, outstretched grab, uh, ended up on the one-yard line. But it was a great throw. It was perfectly placed for only Mark Walker Perfect. to go and get it. Um, those two throws, just you could see the confidence just uh, multiply massively with Dalen Morris. And then all of a sudden – the option game started coming together. You know, Dalen had a sprint out where he gained nine yards. It was the best run he's ever had. Uh, suddenly, Jamal Carruthers came to life. The fullback game was there. We haven't seen the entire season. So it was just a, a remarkable transformation. And the biggest thing to me was that normally in a game like that, what, what was happening with Navy in the first half was the same thing with BYU. They were not ready for tackle football. They weren't pad ready, as they say. They didn't look physical, and that's hard to turn around in the span of one game. You can go into halftime and make adjustments in terms of play calling and you know schemes and whatnot, but to to have a team suddenly transform itself as to the way it, the basic nature of football being physical in the span of one game was remarkable. And all I can say is. Usually during preseason practice, you have two really tough intra-squad scrimmages where you really get after it, real game-like conditions. Navy didn't have any intra-squad scrimmages during the August training camp. And frankly, the BYU game was the first real scrimmage, and the first half of Tulane was the second scrimmage, 
And after having three halves of scrimmage, the Navy football team was finally ready to play football in 2020. Ward? I, uh, I mean, that analogy is, is right on. The, just to back up with Coach uh, apologizing for not going all in with Dalen Morris, it's, it reminds me of when he apologized for not going all in with Malcolm Perry. So in, in reality, though, this is what happens. At the beginning of the season, or even in, in, during spring football, they have options. And so they start the first game with options, and they kind of go through that matrix. <clears throat> and then they run out of options, and they are, have to be forced to go all in with somebody. And then coincident with going all in with somebody, we have a short history of that person rogering up to the opportunity, right? So I, a coach doesn't need to beat himself up. This is just the way it, it, it's going to go, you know? And so he thought that, that our line was going to be a viable option. And when he demonstrated that he's not, like you said, it's like, this is your half, Dalen, right? We're not going to pull you out. So if we're going to lose 60 to nothing, it's, you know, you're, you're going to be the QB for the entire half. So based on that, it's sort of like this Hail Mary kind of matrix where if I'm a guy like Dalen Morris that has character, because we do recruit football players and future naval officers uh, of character. You have to have character to show up at the Naval Academy. Um, and it's something that if you don't, you get run to ground pretty soon, even outside of being a member of the Navy uh, football team. So this is where you dig deep and you're like, okay, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm going to give it my all. And in this case, what came along with that is the um, confidence that gave him the swagger that allowed him to execute the offense. And the offense was, as you said about the first half wags, was a hybrid. It wasn't a straight stick triple option. They were in the shotgun for a lot of the second half too. A lot of the big pass plays were out of the shotgun. So that's exciting. That, that's sort of a West Coast meets the triple option. Uh, and when they did that with Malcolm, um, and maybe they even did that with Will Worth, it like introduced this whole other thing that, that opposing defense was like, oh my God, what do we do about this? You know, and, and obviously in the results, they were not prepared to defend against the Navy passing game. So this is exciting going forward. But again, the bottom line is I think Coach and Ivan and everybody went through the matrix. And at the end of it, the quarterback job, you've got to earn it. It's not going to be given to you, you know, and so it appears that Dalen has earned it now, and that's great. Good for him. So let me throw some numbers at you as, as we continue to break this down, and, and these were numbers that were pretty shocking to me, not only during the game, but then post-game when I looked at the, uh, when I looked at the box score. So, you know, I, 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 it's not all roses. You know, we're, we're going to analyze this and, and point out where the shortcomings still are, but you know, obviously, it's been a long, long time since we saw a quarterback with, you know, 6 of 11 passing for 139 yards and a touchdown. Um, it's also very surprising that Miles Fells had more yards passing on the one halfback pass for seven yards than he did rushing one carry for three yards. Um, I remember, and well, I don't remember, I, I did very much criticize um, Dalen's running of the option just because he, yeah, he didn't run it as well as Malcolm Perry did and Keenan and really in the end, who does? But, you know, we, we were very, very, we were hurting in terms of rushing uh, from the quarterback position and the slot back position. So, you know, Ward and Wags both mentioned Carruthers 
25 carries for 127 yards. He was a beast. He broke off a 48-yard uh, long run. He, he was great. But then after that, you know, between Xavier Arline and Dalen Morris, they combined for 20 carries for 36 yards. Um, from the slot back position, we only had really Chance Warren for three carries for 16 yards and Miles Fails for that one carry and three yards. Uh, Carruthers and Smith were very good from the fullback position. So do we have a problem, um, not to be melodramatic, but do we have a problem in the slot back position and should we expect this to be the new normal in terms of Navy offense? Or, Wags, do you think that, you know, that, um, uh, that Nehemiah and, um, you know, and, and the offensive coaches are really going to, you know, try to let Dalen and the slot backs mature a little bit um, because that's the secret sauce to their success long term? Well, I think the key is you have to tailor the offense to fit the strengths of the players, the skill position players that you have. And they tailored the offense to Malcolm Perry in 2019, but they didn't in 2018. They continued to run the offense that they ran with Zach Aby and Will Worth and had Malcolm running between the tackles, which is not his strong suit. They completely overhauled and changed the offense to fit Malcolm's strengths in 2019, that's why he had a record-setting year. And in this case, you've got to tailor the offense to suit Dalen Morris's strengths. The guy's a passer. He's a thrower. It, in this game against Tulane, the pass is what opened up things for the running game. So I think you say, I got, we got a kid who's a very good thrower. And, let's, you, and I think they've got some weapons in the passing game. Michael Cooper's a good-looking receiver. Uh, you saw Mark Walker is a blossomed into a playmaker for Navy. That kid made two exceptional catches in that game. And, you know, there's some other receivers that are talented. We haven't seen much of Ryan Mitchell yet. You know, he was injured in preseason and he's not fully healthy. And then uh, you may have seen another kid that almost uh, made a catch. It was a high throw and he, uh, he uh, went high to get it and got kind of drilled in the back and dropped it. But that's a talented receiver too, Marcel Gleaton. Um, so there's, I think there's some weapons in the passing game, and Dalen Morris is a, clearly a, a very talented passer. So I think that's what you do. You use the pass to set up the run, kind of open up the defense, make them realize they have to defend the pass. They're going to have to honor the pass. Um, and then your other weapons, Jamal Carruthers. He's, he's – the dangerous weapon in this offense. And you got to ride Carruthers and do whatever you can uh, to get him the ball in space. And, you know, it doesn't have to always be the fullback dive. It, there's other plays for the fullback. They have a quick pitch to the fullback, which I think he's perfect for because he has speed. He was once a slot back. Throw him a screen pass. Uh, whatever you have to do to get Jamal Carruthers in space, that's what you do because he's a finisher. And the, the pitch game will be fine. Although I think what you may be seeing early on is that Dalen Morris may not be quite comfortable with the pitch outs. That was the case with Zach Aby. Zach Aby was tremendous running between the tackles, and he the fullback game was fine with Zach Aby, but what was missing with the Navy offense when Zach Aby was the starting quarterback was the pitch game. And some guys just are not comfortable with the pitch. And that may take time to develop. Now, in the defense of the Navy 
slot backs. Chance Warren had a very big game. There was a crucial game, game late in the game. Uh, if you remember to the left, Chance Warren took a pitch and went about 12, 14 yards, big game. So yep. it, it'll come. This particular game, it was the passing and the fullback. That was the offense. I think the pitch game will develop, but, um, you know, it may take time for Dalen to get comfortable with that element of the option. Um, and, you know, Dalen Morris showed that he could run the ball. He's a big, strong kid. I think he'll, you know, he's not Malcolm Perry. He's not Will Worth. He's somewhere in between. So, you know, I, I think it'll develop, but you do have to play to the strengths of who you have at the skill positions. And I think Dalen Morris's strength is he's a, he's a passer. So use him as such. Hey, Wags, what, what game last year did Crothers just dominate? Which game was that at home? That was uh, – he really, really kind of broke onto the scene against Tulane. He's when yeah. he had a bunch of big gains. Uh, his best game was Tulane. I mean, Houston. At Houston toward the end of the year was when he went nuts and just kept breaking away. Uh, he must have had three or four long touchdown runs on that uh, fullback trap play. But, you know, Carruthers is your guy. That's your – your bell call, Cal. That's your best offensive weapon, and you you, know, you don't have to run them into the line of scrimmage every time on the fullback dive. There's other ways to get your fullback some yardage. I think that's you know he's the star of the offense. Absolutely. So um, I, I'm, I was thinking of the Tulane game last year. Like you said, he burst onto the scene. So I'll be honest. My first impulse with his first big gainer is you know I forgot he was on the team. You know, and 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 so. Johnny, to answer your question about do we have a slot bat problem, the answer is no. Wags has it exactly right. So if they have to key on a performing fullback, then that frees up the slot backs. That's the game within the ground game. And it's sort of 180 Very true. what we say in the NFL, which is the ground game opens up the passing game. Wags has it exactly right. The passing game opened up our ground game. So if, if key positions show up, and, you know, we've already said that's our fullback, our quarterback, and the occasional big gainer in the air with some great catches from receivers, uh, particularly having the guts to catch it across the middle, then we're going to be fine. And that's what absolutely didn't happen for the first three halves of this season, you know. But now, again, maybe we have the confidence to execute. Let's see how it leads over into another bye week. And we've got an extra week to prepare for Air Force. You know, really what will be a very, very big game uh, early on this season for all of the reasons that we've talked about before. Number one, it's Air Force. Uh, number two, all of the hullabaloo, just because I like saying hullabaloo, uh, from the last two weeks with the Commander-in-Chief's trophy and Nehemiah's comments. Um, but then, yeah, no one likes to lose to Air Force. Um, you know, so... They've got some time now uh, to figure it out and and go forward and and we'll see we'll see how the result is uh, when they arrive in Colorado Springs. So to wrap up, Wag. Well, hold on, John. Before we get to that, just the the yeah. next two games are both the first game of the season for those teams. That's a great um, point. And and so I know Wags has mentioned in, in previous shows about Air Force that that sh- they're going to be fresh, but I think there's a liability to that too. And we've seen that there's only some experience that you get during real games. And so hopefully Navy can leverage that against our next two opponents. Uh, you know, Temple has had a COVID spike 
on campus. Um, and, and that's why they had to slide this game to October 10th, our next home game, which is going to be Temple's opening game. So I think that's going to be a key factor here. Very true. And then, you know, really, you mentioned the COVID spike with Temple. I, I'd like to, I'd like to know how it went down there, what the travel was like, you know, have they now tested everybody post game? Um, have they heard anything about whether two lane players came down with COVID? Um, so kind of the aftermath and the logistics, things that we never really cared about, you know, that, you know, the, the job of Rob Dunn uh, at NAAA traveling this, this football team around during this very unique time is, is now very, very difficult. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how they came out of this in terms of COVID, in terms of lessons learned, uh, because the next trip is, is a pretty long one to Colorado Springs. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Wags, you didn't hear anything yet about, you know, any kind of problems with the travel or the, the logistics or the COVID down there in New Orleans? No, John, but um, I wrote about this uh, in Saturday. I had an article about the creating a bubble for travel. And I talked to Brian Blick, you know, Rob Dunn's involved with travel, but really the logistics of Navy football travel really is a Brian Blick department. He's the Very director true. of football operations between him and Jim Barry, the head athletic trainer for football, they're the ones that really dialed down on the nitty gritty of how they were going to handle things. And that from what I, you know, talking to Blick, it, I think they created a pretty good plan from so soup to nuts from the minute they get on a bus at, at the Naval Academy to the hotel situation, to the, to the stadium, they basically wanted to maintain a bubble. In fact, they're so careful. Apparently, Jim Barry got wind that the Navy Football Brotherhood, which is a very well-meaning organization that does everything possible to support Navy football, but someone from the Brotherhood uh, sent an email around about when Navy's walkthrough would be at Yeoman Stadium down in New Orleans in case there's any Navy Football Brotherhood guys down there they would go and support. And Jim Barry hurry up and called Brian Blick and said, shut this down. We don't, nobody is coming anywhere near our team. And they did that at the hotel to the point of using side entrances. They didn't want to go into the hotel from the main entrance because they didn't want to encounter other people. They, they used the side entrance and funneled the team in there. Uh, they used lower floors so that players could walk up the stairs to their rooms and not have to use the elevators. They had the hotel staff cordon off the banquet room where they were having team meetings and meals so that there was no chance of the general public wandering into that area. They had no, uh, con no communication, no interaction whatsoever with hotel staff, no maids in, in rooms. Now it helps. They check in on Friday and then they check out Saturday morning and they go to the stadium. And as soon as the game's over, they, they get on an airplane and come home. So your amount of time at the hotel is reduced, but you are there in Friday evening and Saturday morning. And they also did some serious stuff with meals. They created a unique arrangement where they had the meals all prepared and the players would file in one at a time and pick up the meal box outside the banquet room instead of having a buffet. Normally, Navy football would set up a buffet in a banquet room and the guys would come and get their eggs and their bacon, et cetera. Well, in this instance, they created a meal box. You picked up your box, you walked into the room, and then they, they 
instead of having round circular tables where everybody's facing one another, they created like the old cafeteria, you know, school cafeteria, long uh, rectangular tables, and they told every player to sit facing the same way so that nobody was facing each other. So, you know, Brian Blick put a lot of time, effort, and thought into how to take care of the team and keep them safe during a road trip, and hopefully it worked. And if you don't encounter other people, then, you know, you you don't have an issue because they left here. Nobody in the traveling party was positive. They were all negative. So as long as you don't encounter any other person, uh, you know, the only people they encountered were Tulane football players, um, then you don't have a problem. Now, I'm going to have to chastise the superintendent because when they were playing the blue and gold, he took his mask off to sing. And I said, tell the soup to put his mask on. And by the way, Johnny, can you tell me what kind of push-up the soup was doing when Navy scored touchdowns? That was, that was horrible. I mean, all due respect to Admiral Buck, who I am a big fan of, used to work for. Uh, it really, really a poor moment on camera when ESPN showed him, I guess, doing push-ups with like the command master chief and his flag aide holding him up. I mean, Ward, those looked like those looked like some kind of weird. I mean, I, yeah, I guess that's yeah, how you that, do push-ups as a P three no, guy. Like, I, I, I know F fourteen guys aren't doing push-ups. No, right now. It, again, I Admiral Buck is is really good at home games. He's out there. He's cranking them out like the, you know, better than any plebe um, first on last <laughs> off. Uh, but that, that just wasn't a good look. Um, so I think they were, they were trying to do an audible there and it just, it just, let's just call that one for uh, things we wish we hadn't done. And, and so, you know, Admiral Buck, if you're listening or anyone on the staff, if you're listening, the, the sing second team, uh, we, we, we challenge, uh, maybe we Instagram live that in the future for every point we score, we will, uh, we will, uh, do the Instagram live video of us doing pushups and hopefully, hopefully we can be, hey, speak, uh, speak for yourself, be John. better. I was looking at wags go, Oh my God. Um, well, I, I I love Wags describing you know the very you know, the very uh, uh, detailed and uh, disciplined uh, eating regimen that the uh, the mids had to live down there. It probably reminded Wags of you know back in back in his days at St. Mary's, getting yelled at by the nuns during lunch and having to uh, having to eat you know just facing one direction. So awesome info if you didn't read wags's article on saturday about the logistics very good article also his uh breakdown of the game which was very good and and i'm sure going forward this week we'll have plenty of stories um leading up to a very important air force game and follow us on social media we're gonna probably put something pretty cool together uh to watch the air force game we'll probably do a drink of the week again um already rumored to be called the blue falcon and um, we will probably, um, you know, probably figure something else out in terms of a, a live pregame show. So stick with us on that. All right. Hey, so before we wrap this up, excellent commentary regarding uh, how we eventually beat Tulane. Actually, as we record this pod, uh, the replay is happening on uh, ESPNU. I would recommend that everyone start watching right at the eight minute mark of the third quarter. Um, but really excellent. Uh, discussion about it and you know what really rounded this pod out and in our opinion was being able to talk to coach Nehemiah and Dalen Morris uh, today during the NAAA um, press conferences 
with uh, both coach and his quarterback. So uh, let's go to a couple of uh, questions and answers uh, that Bill Wagner and I uh, asked Coach Niamat today. He uh, was really very forthcoming about how proud he was not only of of uh, Dalen, but really the uh, the defense and turning it around. And we have a great discussion about uh, Kevin Brennan's personal foul that possibly could have been a uh, an ejection. So uh, without any further ado, here is that audio uh, with us and Coach Niamat. Hey, Coach. Uh, John Schofield from Sing Second Sports. Um, you know, talking about uh, teams making mistakes, um, you know, for as big of a hole that you were in at 24, nothing, the, the entire, the entirety of the game shows that you were pretty good. No turnovers, only three penalties for 45 yards. One of them was the Brennan, P, uh, personal foul, uh, which had to give you some pause because, you know, they obviously looked at it for targeting. Um, but you know, really clean game from penalties to turnovers. And then on the defense with, to Atelli with, um, I think he had 11 tackles, um, Diego Fago with a really, you know, big sack. And then he sort of celebrated, um, despite the fact that you guys were in a hole and it almost looked like it, like it drove the team forward. How much do you think the defense getting stops, you know, as of, I think Tulane last scored with like, uh, maybe six minutes left in the second quarter, Shutting them out after that, how much do you think the defense and those lack of mistakes really spurred Dalen and the offense on? No doubt, John. That was a huge part of it. If the defense doesn't play like that, we don't win. I mean, that's – I mean, it was a great team win. But, um, you know, we held them 82 yards in the second half. I mean, they, they couldn't get anything against us. You know what I mean? We shut them down. They had that one long run late in the fourth quarter in their last drive, but – I was really, really proud of the way we played. And, and our guys played hard. We're still not perfect, but I was really pleased with the way we played in the second half. And it was um, – we, we don't win that game, John, if, if our defense doesn't play that way. They, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, Dalen, huge credit to him. But if the defense doesn't make – you know, shut them out in the second half, we don't win that football game. Were you worried that as they were reviewing it, that Brennan was going to get was going to get ejected? You know, the the replays showed that it could have gone really either way. Um, but yeah, it, it was obviously a late hit. It was high. Um, yeah, where were your thoughts on it as they were reviewing it? Well, I couldn't really see it, and you know, from the box, they said that they thought you knew used the shoulder, but we didn't know where the impetus of the shot went. To be honest with you, I was just kind of shocked that it was Kevin because he's probably one of our, our smartest football players, our most disciplined defenders, and he normally doesn't make those kind of mistakes. And I'm like, that was Kevin? You know what I mean? It just, you know, so I was a little bit dazed at first because I thought there's no way I would ever thought he could do it because he's one of our best football players and smartest football players. But he, it just shows he's human. But I, we were concerned because we were starting to – the defense was already talking about, okay, if he's in, this is who I want it. Coach Newberry is ready talking down to the field, okay, if he does go out, I want to put it so-and-so in. But we, we were definitely concerned because he's our quarterback back there. You know, he makes a lot – I mean, he's a smart, smart football player, and that was a huge concern for us. Thanks, Coach. So um, when Malcolm was a junior, you all kind of were doing similar scheme as to with Will, and the next – after the season, you – 
decided, you know, we need to tailor the offense to suit Malcolm's talents, and it proved to work perfectly, and he had the record-breaking season. Do you think it's a similar case here with Dalen? Now that you've decided to roll with Dalen, do you think you maybe build the offense around his talents, like notably his throwing ability? And I'm not saying you're going to use the pass to set up the run, but, I mean, that's kind of what happened Saturday. The the pass is what opened things up for the rest of the offense. Did You kind of know where I'm getting on this. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I said that earlier. I mean, that's, I mean, it's exactly what I said earlier. Just, um, that's kind of what we've always done. You know what I mean? Just um, try to do our best to, you know, it's the same offense, but you try to tailor your plays, you know, based upon the quarterback. And like you said, I mean, you know, with Will, when Will became the quarterback, we were, lot more certain way and then we kind of continue on with Zach like you said and maybe we stayed a little bit too much with that with Malcolm maybe I don't know we still use Malcolm a lot in that kind of scenario but we try to change up some things um but his throwing ability definitely you have to use I mean just like you said Saturday Wags I mean that's you know you may not get the 80 yard runs that Malcolm had but hopefully you can get the passes that you had this past weekend you know what I mean and so you know you're exactly right and and so we're still going to be who we are. I mean, that's not going to change. But uh, how do I put it? We're still eating from the same buffet line, but we're picking more from certain places. You know what I mean? It's the, the, the menu has always been there, but we'll probably accentuate and uh, some other things that probably we didn't do as much in the past. The one thing that struck me about Saturday's game is that during the first half, it still looked like you weren't quite pad ready, similar to BYU. And then it completely changed, and you were coming off the ball, like both sides of the ball. You think it was almost a case of where those intra-squad scrimmages you normally would have gotten during August, basically BYU and Tulane became three halves worth of inter-squad scrimmages, and by the second half, suddenly you were ready? Wags and I said, it's, it's everything. I mean, I mean, in spring ball, uh, the way we work out, uh, you know, there's certain things that we do working out that I don't think anybody else does. You know, I mean, there's a process in building our football team because of our size that we have to be so mentally tough uh, compared to other people. So our winter conditioning to our the way we have spring practice, like you said, all the scrimmages and the live periods that we have during spring ball, you know, we need all those. Then you have fall camp. It, it's almost like that did happen. I mean, but your, I think your assessment is spot on, Wags. It's, it's like those first three halves, we were still in spring ball and still trying to figure it out. And, you know, it'd be like you're coming over there, what's happening? Well, the offense is getting crushed and the defense is getting crushed. You know, they would come back to the same practice. It was the same thing. And it's like the second half, we, you know, we, we were a little bit more pad ready. You know what I mean? And that's with us practicing hard in the two weeks after the, the, the BYU game. So, so BYU was the first time we actually hit. And we went two weeks of getting a little bit more physical. Then we got punched in the mouth again for the first half of the Tulane game. And it's, it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like, okay, that's, how, that's what it feels like. You know, the, it's kind of like you got your couple of preseason games out of the way if you're an NFL team. And if you're a college team, you, I don't know. But it, yeah, I I agree with your assessment that it's, oh, it's what it looked like, but I, I recognize that 
looking at the way we played, uh, it, for us in our size, those other things are, you know, when you miss those bills, they're, they're hard to make up. If you're a throwing team, maybe you can make those up. Maybe, you know, your time, you can just play catch and stuff like that and throw the ball. But when you're a run team and you're smaller than people on defense and you got to, you know, try to be styled with your pads and stuff like that, there's no substitute to to playing. Um, we've kept you on here long enough, so I'll wrap up with this. I thought the offensive line changes paid dividends. Uh, Bamberry minus his one snap mistake, I thought, played well up front at center and then moving Justin Self over to tackle. Um, I know you probably did that because Tulane had that monster <laughs> of the nose tackle. Um, but is that something you're thinking about continuing with Justin at tackle and Pierce at center? Yeah, that was the move, just a little bit more size at center. Uh, you know, because the nose guard at BYU was big too. Tyrus is, in fact, bigger than this guy. I mean, they're both 340-plus. I mean, they're big, both big kids and big young men. So that definitely helped us having uh, Van Barry inside, having Pierce inside. is just, you know, this guy goes, you know, 295 or so inside. And so he's got some size, some strength. Um, he's, the, and the future is bright for him. Along with, you know, Bryce Dexterra, you know, young guy that we're excited about. Thought he played a really good game. Then you got on the other side, you got our, our veterans of Billy and, and and Peter. And that's the guy I forgot to mention, too. And, uh, you know, the question was, what did we see from the tape? Peter Nestor also played a really good football game. So he did a really good job inside. He, he's the guy that sprung that last trap, you know, for, uh, for Jamel there, that last run. So he played a really good game. And now uh, here is the audio uh, of the Q&A that we had uh, with Dalen Morris, um, who really comported himself very, very well. I love the way that he answered questions. I just liked, and I know that you appreciate this, Chris, uh, he referred to his offensive line as the slobs. I'm sure that they refer to themselves as that, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was a stylish name. Um, you, you and I could only be so proud to earn that moniker, uh, Chris. So uh, without any further ado, here's our conversation with Dalen. Dalen, John Schofield from uh, Sing Second Sports. Number one, congrats. Um, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of Twitter shade getting thrown at you guys in the first half. Scott would be the first one to tell you about it. Um, you know, we were watching it. Obviously, it was a rough thing to watch. By halftime for the season, you had been outscored like 79 to 3. Um, you had obviously taken some lumps and licks uh, in the BYU game. You know, what, what does it say to you about the physical mission at the Naval Academy, um, you know, that, that you had that chance after getting punched in the face to come back and redeem yourself? And did you ever have a doubt about your ability to come in and perform the way that you knew you could perform, not the way you performed with BYU, but the way that you knew you could perform. Was there any, ever a doubt in there or were you always believing? Uh, in terms of the mission of the Naval Academy, uh, I mean, we, we are graduating warfighters, uh, so to speak. Uh, so the physical mission is very important outside of football, but when it comes to the, to the game and, be able to respond. I mean, I think that that really shows you who, who a man is, who a person is, man or woman, uh, how they respond to adversity. Uh, and I think I responded pretty well. Tell me a little bit about how the offensive line, uh, you know, protected you after really getting pushed around against BYU, gave you the time to hit those key passes, particularly the one to Cooper 
Um, you know, how how did you feel about the Lions' performance on Saturday night? Oh, the Slobs played one heck of a game. Uh, especially, uh, you know, they got a, they like like myself. They got a lot of hate after the BYU game. So, and they did the same thing: put the hard hat home, put the hard hat on, went to work, and they played a heck of a game uh, Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. So, last question: You know, are you feeling any pressure at all? Being that uh, you know Miles Fells, you know, passed for more yardage than he rushed for. You know, are you are you kind of looking behind you? You know, worried worried about what might happen in the uh, in the future. Uh, no, I'm not worried about little Mike Vick back there. <laughs> he almost got my head taken off, so I'm not worried about that one. Awesome, Dalen. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, Dalen. Um, let's go back to last week when the coaching staff decided that they were going to give Xavier Arline the start. Um, you know, you worked so hard for so long to get that job, and you lose it after one game. How did you stay positive? I mean, what? It must have been difficult. I mean, you saw your compatriot Perry Olsen transferred. Um, but, I mean, obviously that wasn't an option for you being a senior. But how do you stay positive when you learn that your dream, after it seems as after one game, it's, it's over? Uh, it's it disappointing. Uh, it was very disheartening uh, after one half to get pulled like that. But um, I'm, I'm a team player, and the coaching staff believed that was the best thing for the team at that moment. So, you know, after, you know, I had my little sulking episode, I, I pulled myself up and got back to work and supported X in any way possible. Coach Nehemiah had said that when he talked to you about this, uh, you know, and asked what happened against BYU, you were like, it was my first start, you know, give me a, give me a chance. And, I mean – as it turned out, you did get that second chance. I mean, are you gratified or grateful that it worked out the way it did, that you got to show what you can do, a second chance to show what you could do? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, God always has a plan. I don't always know what that is. But, uh, uh, yes, I'm very grateful for that second opportunity uh, and looking forward to many more. And so at halftime, I mean, I think basically – you know, the coaching staff said that we're going to roll with you and, you know, whatever happens here, it's you're in. You're not getting pulled. I mean, did that mean a lot? And I think that the way you played, the confidence you played with in the second half, it just – I think it seemed like something clicked. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, once uh, the coaching staff decided to go with me, uh, my teammates were behind me 100%. And having them, uh, you know, express that was definitely a confidence booster in me. And then, you know, you now have two weeks before you play Air Force, which gives you plenty of time to, you know, you, you, were, you were part of a training camp with no hitting. Now you can get some reps, you know, and I know they won't hit you, but it'll be a different practice atmosphere. Uh, are you looking forward to the next two weeks with, uh, you know, some contact and be able to, you know, play at full speed against the first string defense? I think it'll probably prepare you a lot better, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll give me uh, some spring ball vibes, uh, getting back out there with the ones and uh, going one-on-one. Uh, it's, it's definitely fun. Uh, it's competitive and <laughs> can definitely get uh, testy at times. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, then obviously, I think one thing we saw on Saturday is there's some weapons in the passing game. Obviously, Cooper's legit receiver. Mark Walker is showing up. I mean, we haven't even seen much of Ryan Mitchell, but I know he'll He'll be out there eventually making plays and 
You know, Gleaton, uh, I thought he was going to come down with that one catch, but he got drilled in the back. But you've got some weapons. Can you talk about some of – and I, we didn't talk about the slots. Um, can you kind of talk about the weapons you have at your disposal in the throwing game? Oh, we have – a ton of weapons uh, on the offensive side of the ball, on the outside and in the slot. Uh, you know, you say we don't uh, haven't seen Mitch much. Mitch has a club on his hand right now, so it's it's a little tough to throw him the ball right now. Uh, definitely should have uh, got that ball out to Gleet uh, a little sooner. Um, hopefully, uh, if I do that, he gets that pass. Um, but especially in the side, we have Chance Warren probably has the best hands on the team. Miles Fells and C.J. Williams is back. He's electric uh, with the ball in his hands. Missed him twice, so I told him I own two uh, come next game. Um, but the weapons that we have on this team is – we have a lot of weapons, and we plan on using them for sure. Last for me, I mean, obviously what we saw on Saturday was, you know, positive as far as the passing game. Do you think this could suddenly become air midshipmen or – Air Morris and start throwing it around more 20 times a game or something like that? Or do you think Navy football is Navy football, the option? Navy football is always going to be the option. Uh, we're going to run the football. We're going to be a physical team up front. But we're going to run the football to open up the pass. Uh, and hopefully if we, if we can get to 20 times a game, you know, I won't be complaining. But we're definitely going to keep that physicality and brand of football for Navy football. So on that note, Dalen, um, you know, you're, you're obviously a much more passing oriented quarterback that, you know, even Bill Wagner and I were talking about it on our pod today that, you know, between you and, and our line, you had 20 carries for 36 yards. Um, uh, Chance Warren, three carries, 16 yards. Now, you know, Carruthers and Nelson Smith, you know, definitely went out and ate. You know, they did very well. Um, is it your, you know, as you prepare for Air Force, do you see yourself trying to involve the slot backs more? Do you see yourself getting more acclimated to being the starter and running it more? We all know how comfortable you are throwing it. Um, but is it concerning for you at all as you progress through the season, um, you know, that, that it's been hard to really incorporate the slot backs into the O? Um. I wouldn't say it's it's concerning. Uh, it's it's definitely going to open up uh, to get the a backs the ball in the slot uh, through the option. Uh, that's just repetition uh, and game plan stuff. But uh, I think Coach Yo called me slow uh, during the game, so I definitely got to uh, up those rushing yards <laughs> come two weeks. Well, I mean, I full disclosure, even even we tweeted from Sing Second Sports that it looked like you were having a hard time, you know, finding the holes and, and getting those decision points. Completely unfair comparison to, to go Malcolm, you know, Malcolm Perry uh, comparisons with you. But do you think, you know, as not that you are slow or that you think you're slow, but do you think that that's an area where you can improve? Um, you know, making those decisions in the option a little quicker, you know, particularly playing an Air Force team that is pretty familiar with defending the option since they run it? Oh, for sure. I can, there's always room for improvement in every aspect of my game, but especially the option. You know, I wasn't an option quarterback coming in here, so I definitely have a lot of room to improve even now being four years into the system. Last question from me. This starts now a pretty grueling schedule. Um, no weeks off uh, come October 3rd, Air Force, Temple, at ECU, Houston, 
at SMU, um, Tulsa, Memphis, USF. I mean, it's basically every week uh, until Thanksgiving. The first part of that question is, what was it like traveling to New Orleans? You know, we, we talked a bunch this morning about all of the logistics and, and the planning and, and keeping the players safe. Coaches harped on that, harped on that. Let's keep safe. Let's make sure everyone's safe. What was it like for you? Was it kind of like the, the, the strangest road trip ever taken? Um, not really for me. Um, it felt like the same. Everybody just had masks on. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we were socially distanced uh, during times. Uh, lo- uh, unloaded buses one at a time. Uh, so it wasn't too different for me. Just everybody had masks on. Yeah. All right. And then um, how are your classmates feeling now that they finally get off the yard lib? Everyone, everyone in better spirits around there right now? Morale is definitely better with the <laughs> libo, for sure. All right. Thanks, Dalen. Thank you. Anyone else with a question before we let Dalen go? He's got a thermodynamics test tomorrow, so we need to start studying. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We got Coach Niamatololo at 2 o'clock on, an, on another link. Everyone should have it. Um, if you don't, let me know. All right. See you guys at 2. Thanks, Dalen. Hey, Air Force, Dalen. All right. Thank you. All right. Hey, so that was great. I, I cannot say enough about Dalen Morris. He said all the things that really I want to hear in a future Naval officer or Marine, um, depending on what he chooses uh, coming out. But he answered everything very, very well. Uh, he characterized the physical mission in exactly the same way that, that we um, you know, that we really enjoy it and, and is one of the, you know, the founding reasons for us doing this podcast. So uh, thank you to Dalen Morris uh, for his candor and his play the other day. Thank you to Coach Niamat for always being so great. Uh, thanks to Chris for, uh, for producing and editing and making us all sound good and uh, Wags and Ward for their insight as always. Uh, this is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Please join us uh, at the end of the week when we put out another edition. Uh, We hope to uh, bring you all the latest from Naval Academy Sports. And there are more of them now. The Naval Academy women's soccer team just played Pitt this past weekend in front of Midshipmen. Although they lost 1-0, it is a sign of a return to normalcy. And let's hope it continues. One final shout out to a new listener, um, someone I met Saturday night right after the... uh, right after the game concluded was uh, a gentleman, class of 86 named Kirk Gustafson lives in West Annapolis, Southwest pilot flew the charter with the uh, team down to new Orleans. Um, so good job to uh, captain Gustafson of Southwest airlines, class of 86 for getting them down there safely and uh, welcome aboard the, uh, the podcast as a new listener. For those of you um, listening at home, please share this pod, please uh, like subscribe, Follow us on social media. And uh, as Chris always says, there are sponsorships available. So, uh, so inquire about that. I am John Schofield for Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.